Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, boys and girls? I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Automotive. That is Spencer Holbrook. We are back. We were both on a vacation a week ago uh, of variant types. Oh, we're talking about variants. Please don't flag the video, YouTube. I'm talking about variant uh, vacations. I was on the West Coast. Spencer was on the East Coast. And now we're back in the Middle Coast um, talking stuff about Ohio State recruiting. Football is uh, in full swing, Spencer, and it feels really, really good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's starting to feel a little normal, maybe. We've got some official visit announcements um, that have been happening. It seems like things are starting to pick back up on the recruiting trail. And, you know, they never really stop. But yeah, but well, they change. Yeah, it was a little it was a little quiet for a long time. It was almost it was almost dead in a sense, Berm, and now it's coming back to life. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it was it was dead. It's still dead um, for how much longer. We don't know. There is some conversation that the recruiting dead period could reach a conclusion um, on May 31st. And that's what we've talked about on this show before. But the belief is that maybe that final decision gets made this week. I've heard that the 15th is maybe the date for that. Um, so I guess we'll pay attention to that on Thursday and see if that comes down the line as expected. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we get into uh, the show here. But I think the most important thing to understand about that dead period announcement, which is coming Thursday, is, in my opinion, Spencer, there's a small chance, a very small fraction of a chance that if that announcement happens on Thursday, we could maybe see a delay in a big commitment that is scheduled for this Saturday. And I'll let you tell people who, who's committing this Saturday. Uh, five, borderline five-star will be a five-star tackle. I'm not sure if he's there yet. Keonta Goodwin from the Louisville area. Louisville, I don't want to Louisville, Louisville, yeah, Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Keontae is committing Saturday. And, and very simple. The reason why he told me straight up, he does not think that the dead period is going to end. And uh, there are coaches that he's t- heard from that are, are pessimistic about it ending. There are others he's heard from that are optimistic about it ending. And so the messaging is sort of all jumbled up. Uh, as I've written about Keontae Goodwin in the past, he is not going to commit somewhere he can't take visits to. And so the thought is, why not just commit and then see what happens? And that means he's not committing to Ohio State on Saturday because he's not visited Ohio State, had the chance to, let me correct myself, he has visited Ohio State, but not as like the primary recruiting target on his visit. He's been there with Wondale Robinson, Rondale Moore, et cetera. But he is uh, going to commit elsewhere on Saturday. The likelihood, Spencer, is Kentucky. I would assume, Berm, that the people telling him that the dead period is going to end that's coming from Ohio state. And I think Kentucky is probably pounding into his brain. The recruiting dead period will not end. You need to commit. I well, I'd like that. It's just, just Ohio. I want to, I, I, I tend to agree with you that it's likely coming from the wildcat side of things that, Hey, this, there's no guarantees here. This is a kid who's been very, emotionally up and down in the last year about the dead period. He's thought it was going to end multiple times. He's been very frustrated at times. I would use the word pissed off 
it, it seems like he's just been like, okay, is this ever going to happen? And I would agree with you. Kentucky has probably been like, hey, maybe it won't happen. You should just commit just in case. Um, I don't think it's just Ohio State telling him that it's going to end. Uh, his final five schools of Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Kentucky, and Michigan State, I would imagine the other four are very um, purposefully telling him, hey, this is coming to an end. Why are you doing this so soon? But I guess my point is maybe there's a chance that he would delay and not announce on Saturday if um, if there is a decision made. I'm, I, I'm not optimistic about that. I think that once you start to set these wheels in motion, it sort of becomes like the time, right? I also don't think the recruitment ends when a decision is made. And I think we've made that clear. You know, he, he, I, I think he's one of these guys that are, that's going to make these visits regardless of where he's committed to. And, you know, that may ruffle some feathers around the country with wherever he chooses to, to commit to. But I, I think these visits are going to happen. I don't think Ohio State fans should panic when this decision is made, if it's made on Saturday. It's just one of those things where you set your place in a class, you understand they're the leader right now. And then once the visits happen, anything can happen. I think you're going to see that around the country, but especially in this particular case of, you know, a five-star talented tackle who's got every school in the country wanting him. Yeah. And I mean, again, things can change. The decision date could change before Saturday. Who knows? This could change as well. But Keontae Goodwin has told me definitively he is definitely taking visits when he's allowed to take visits. So um, it, whether or not that happens in June, whether or not that happens in the season, who knows? I agree with you 100% that this recruitment is not anywhere close to over. It's probably actually just starting. Um, and I think it's actually somewhat ironic in a way, Spencer, is that on Monday night, Tyler Booker, who is a you know potential borderline five-star offensive lineman down at the IMG Academy in Florida, originally from Connecticut, he announced his final five schools. It's Ohio State, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Oregon, uh, and Florida. And, you know, I actually feel like his plan of taking official visits in June, Ohio State's on that list. But I think that the Buckeyes still have a better shot with Keontae Goodwin than they do Tyler Booker, even though Goodwin will be committed on Saturday to somewhere else. And so I think that's just the nature of football recruiting right now. There, there's a lot of nuance going on. Um, obviously, the thing with Tyler Booker is just get him on campus. The Buckeyes have not been able to do that. He's been to Florida. He's been to Georgia. He's been to Alabama. He, he's never been to Oregon. Um, but you know, it, it's like this weird vibe right now that Ohio state really, who thought that they were in a really good position with Tyler Booker, even a few months ago, right now, it just doesn't feel like they have a good read on, on where they are with him. Uh, it is important that he's still making the official visit. And so there at least is a, a window open, but I think the window there is smaller than the one for Keontae Goodwin. But, well, I mean, it has to be Keontae Goodwin's a huge person. His window has to be bigger. Yeah, and I think, you know, Ohio State was was in on both of these recruitments relatively early. I think they've they've set themselves up to be in good spots for both of these guys. You got a guy who's who's a little more local than Connecticut slash Florida. It's always weird to to clarify where these guys are from yeah. when they go to the IMG Academy. I, I do think it's interesting though that, you know, the Buckeyes felt like they were in a better position a couple months ago when there was no cer certainty about the dead period ending than they are now with Tyler Booker. And I know you have, you know a little bit more insight than I do on that, but, but it is yeah. kind of peculiar to me that, that they've slipped in that recruitment as things are starting to open up. It's a little weird. I don't think the Buckeyes were ever necessarily like in the lead for Tyler Booker. And I want to be clear about that, but there does feel like a slight similarity in some way to the JC Latham recruitment from a year ago, where the Buckeyes felt like they were in a really good position 
um, and, and felt like they were building a really good relationship with with the prospect and his family. And then all of a sudden something just happened and the, the recruitment becomes much more difficult for whatever reason. And I don't know necessarily that it has anything to do with the schools that uh, are recruiting him, but maybe more of the school where he's at. There seems to be a slight disconnect uh, between the IMG Academy and Ohio State right now. And I don't really know what it is. Um, it, and, you know, with with guys coming out of that school in the last few years, like Legend Cavazos, you'd think that the Buckeyes would have a good uh, bond there. There's Jordan Fuller's brother is a coach there. Corey Dennis's brother is a coach there. Pepper Johnson is a coach there. But still, there seems to be this bizarre feeling and not even Tyler Booker and this is apropos of nothing but I, I look at a recruitment like Jihad Campbell the defensive end slash linebacker prospect in the class of 2022 who I think he was from New Jersey when he left to go down to the IMG Academy uh, at the end of 2020 Buckeyes felt like they were in great shape and now there's a, a feeling like they that is uh, sort of just a lot of confusion about exactly where they stand and I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I you'd figure that one of the uh, country's largest athletic programs and best football programs like Ohio State would have the opportunity to sort of build a good relationship with a uh, talent-producing powerhouse like IMG, but something just feels uh, amiss. I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far down that road, but I, it just, I think that there probably needs to be an honest conversation uh, between those two sides somewhere to figure out if there's a, a, a problem. Yeah, it just seems like there's just a little, like you said, miscommunication, you know, uh, maybe misunderstanding between the two sides. Just, you know, the, the Buckeyes have, have gotten great players from IMG Academy, but lately they've been seemingly pushing for guys from there and it just hasn't worked out. And you wonder, you know, when they're going to break through there. And uh, you wonder if there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, but you also wonder if it's just maybe the Buckeyes recruiting strategy there and, and you don't know, you kind of have to look at, take a look in the mirror and then look at the other side and say, Hey, what's it, what exactly is going on here? And because yeah. Ohio state can't lose the connection to IMG Academy, you know, yeah. that's and, a, and there's certainly, that's the thing. Like you look at their coaching staff and there's three guys that have direct Ohio state ties. It should be a somewhat uh, easy connection to make, but yet there seems to be something amiss. And I don't know if it's one of those things and we talk about it all the time, Spencer, the, the peer to peer recruiting is so much more important now than ever. Maybe that you know maybe Ohio State rubbed a kid down there the wrong way, and he started to you know believe that they were not doing handling things the right way, and that spread throughout the program. I don't know. It's certainly not. I don't think it's the coaching staff there because again, there's three direct Buckeyes ties to the coaching staff, but there seems to be something that's happening there, and I think it's one of those moments where when visits can begin occurring again, and Ohio State can maybe get a coach back down there to actually talk to people in person maybe things can get sorted out. But um, with respect to Tyler Booker, I, it seems like it's very important Ohio State gets him on campus to to figure out whatever this disconnection is uh, between their staff and and the um, messaging at, in Bradenton um, to, to clarify that. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I know things in this situation, but I feel things and it's 2021 and I trust my feelings more than anything, Spencer. Well, the other thing is, I think Tyler Booker is already scheduled for a visit. So that's the. It's not officially scheduled. It was discussed that he was going to take a midweek visit in June, but it hadn't been locked in. But now that you see the final five schools, Ohio State in them, he is going to take all five official visits, he says. So now you can start to feel more confident, I guess, that it is locked in. And that's a big deal because 
when you have a, you know, what we're right now calling something being a miss or a disconnect or something, sometimes it's hard to schedule those visits and just to get these guys on campus. If they can get Tyler Booker on campus, that can be the start of sorting out whatever's going on. And then you can move on from there and really begin to build back a relationship, you know, or, you know, right, whatever's wrong or, you know, whatever's going on, you can start to really repair that as you get a kid on campus. And, and, you know, maybe we're just looking too deep into this, but also, you know, there, there, there could be something there. Yeah. I mean, again, it just takes me back to JC Latham and and something just fell apart. And a lot of it seemed to happen uh, when the dead period began and when he transferred to and, and was at IMG and and I don't know I, I some there's a weird vibe going on and I I'm my business is to just try to figure out what it is but um, you know until someone tells me that there's a concrete problem then it's just nothing more than speculative and gut feel and all that stuff and um, anyway that that's uh, you know again wrap that up with a tight little bow package it up. Uh, I think that Keontae Goodwin will commit to Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, I still think Ohio State has a better chance to land him right now than they do Tyler Booker, who released his top five on Monday. So that's where I'm sitting with those two things. Um, Spencer, what else are we going to talk about? I mean, I think we have to talk about that period because, again, even though it's been talked about a little bit here, the interesting thing about the, the thought that the dead period could be coming to an end finally is that Ohio State seems intent on a scheduling official visits and, and unofficial visitors, which they had not done in the previous few months. So that should at least give us a, a hint that they feel pretty good about the fact that it's going to be canceled or, or ended. But on top of that, I talked to two different players on Sunday at the Under Armour camp in, in the Obets, Ohio, um, from Ohio to, to 2022 prospects who were good players. Neither of them was an Ohio State offer who both said that the Buckeyes had invited them to campus for a workout in June. Um, and so I think what they're talking about, and Ryan Day alluded to this on Monday in his press conference, is that there's a belief that rather than the big camps that we've seen in the last handful of years, the 100, you know, the 400, 500, 600 kid camps that they've had, um, Ryan Day said that there is a conversation about possibly being able to work them out on a one-on-one basis while they're on campus and that they're going to have to limit the number of unofficial visitors at a time. So you're not going to be able to have the big camp settings that have, you know, famously uh, happened, at least not this summer. Maybe we get back to that next summer, but there at least does appear to be a silver lining that some of these kids around the state that have been waiting because they missed camps last year um, will get an opportunity to, to step up to the plate and take their swing. Well, I think, Burn, part of this is, and I, I look at it from a little bit more of a, a higher up view and a little zoomed out, is like this is kind of a win-win for Ohio State because if you get to have kids on campus and you start scheduling these things and it actually happens, you can start recruiting again, really recruiting yeah. and not just sitting on Zoom with guys. If it doesn't happen, I mean, dead period inexplicably does not end because I think that would be just a horrible decision for the NCAA if it happened then Ohio State can go to bat for the players that's trying to recruit and say, hey, we're still trying and fighting to get you guys on campus. We know that this is important for you guys. And it makes, you know, a little bit of a, a, a PR, you know, we're trying to we're trying for yeah. you guys. And so I think that it's kind of a win-win for Ohio State. That's probably why these things are being scheduled. Um, but also that does signal a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. I think this is, uh, there's finally some steam. And finally, you know, Ohio State has been cautiously optimistic that the recruiting dead period would end previously. 
and they didn't they still didn't schedule visits now they're starting yeah. to schedule visits i think that tells you everything you need to know yeah so i mean if you look at a camp like this this under armor <laughs> camp that just happened it did provide somewhat of an opportunity for kids around the country who wanted to make a quick stop at Ohio State to get that first unofficial uh, self-guided tour. But it's nothing like what's happened elsewhere around the country in the last few weeks. I mean, Florida State had almost 100 prospects at their spring game on Saturday. And the idea that they're doing that um, without coordinating it with the coaching staff is crazy to me. I don't think that's possible. Uh, but regardless of that, you know, Ohio State was able to um, bring in players from around the country, like uh, the two two different offensive linemen, for example, Carson Hinsman from Wisconsin, uh, Grayson Morgan from down in Tennessee, who they've been talking to both of those two for a while. They were each able to make some uh, a self-guided, at least drive around campus. It was raining all weekend in Columbus, so there wasn't a lot of time spent on the Oval hanging out or anything. But, you know. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It does at least whet the appetite for these kids to return, um, and those conversations are happening. So, uh, you know, I think that if you can get kids like Kinsman, like uh, Grayson Morgan, like Ryan Bear up at East Lake North High School uh, near Cleveland, if you can get kids like Dillian Bradley, the safety down at Springfield, if you can get um, even committed players like Derek Shepard, who is a defensive tackle committed to Cincinnati out of out of Archbishop Alter High School in Dayton or Kettering, um, you at least have the opportunity to tell these kids we we are gonna get to see you and evaluate you the correct way. And that's something that these kids have been waiting for for a long time. And uh, I guess my my whole thing, Spencer, is I just hope the NCAA doesn't screw it up, which they seem to be good at. Yeah, they're very good at it. But, um, you know, aside from that, you, you've been talking about guys that you saw all weekend. So I kind of think the people and myself included would, would like to hear about it. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that those are important conversations. I, I don't know that we need to talk about the Ohio state commitments really. I mean, they're committed to Ohio state for a reason. They're all, they all showed up in really great shape. CJ Hicks continues to look like a million dollars. Um, he's just a different type of athlete. I think than people are going to uh, expect him to be that we're not talking about He's a pure linebacker. He's not one of these guys that I think is going to play the bullet position, but he is just fast, man. Like as soon as he gets into Coach uh, Marathi's strength conditioning program, like he he's going to end up at like two thirty five, two forty, and I, I think he could be a Darren Lee type impact player, just a a big, fast, nasty outside linebacker. Gabe Powers looks great. The the thirty pounds he's put on in the last year, he carries it really well. He didn't do much as far as drills went because he was uh, dealing with a slight quad pull. Um, so he was a little bit limited. Deshaun McCullough did not work out at all. He's got his, uh, he had a torn ligament in his foot that he had surgery on a few weeks ago. Jair Brown um, came to the camp and was around the Ohio State commits the whole time. I mean, I know there's still a lot of talk about Notre Dame with him, but uh, he had just lost his father uh, last week. And so I think he actually came to the camp for one of the primary reasons was because he wanted to be around the guys like CJ Hicks and, and um you know, the guys that he's gotten to know really well through this process. And um, uh, fortunately, I'm really glad to see this happen. He was able to get out of the camp after it was over without anybody really talking to him about recruiting. And I'm 
you know, for the Notre Dame media that was there, for the Ohio State media that was there that was curious about Notre Dame. I think it's uh, I'd like to give two thumbs up to those people who let him just sort of leave and not have to deal with recruiting on Sunday. Congratulations for making the right decision. Um, uh, Tegra Tushabola, I mean, I talked about him a little bit on the site uh, on on Monday morning in, in the breakdown of the camp. He still checked in at 340 pounds. Uh, he's still heavier than he is going to need to be when he arrives at Ohio State. I think they'd like to see him in that 315, 320 range. But the difference between Tegra Tushabola that I saw on Sunday and what we saw last summer at the same location, Spencer, he looked a lot more athletic, a lot more aggressive. Um, and even though he was still carrying 340 pounds, it looked to be a much better 340 pounds. And I think that um, some of the questions I had about his role in the offensive line got answered because I think I saw him move a whole lot better on Sunday than I did last year. That's got to make you feel better because, you know, he's he's one of those guys that started in the rankings very high. You know, fans love to pay attention to rankings. He started out very high, commits to Ohio State before his recruitment really takes off. So his recruitment never truly takes off. He's an in-state guy. A lot of programs just say, well, he's committed to Ohio State. He's from Ohio. No reason to offer him. No reason to contact him. And so, you know, he starts to slip in those rankings because he, you just don't get a lot of attention when you're an in-state guy committed to Ohio State. Programs don't really pay much attention to you after you commit. And so I think there's a little bit of doubt among some people about what he can be. I still think if he gets down to that 315, 320 range, he can be a an anchor player on the Ohio State offensive line. I think he can be a really solid player. But it just, you know, he doesn't get the same attention that some of these other guys do or some of the flasher positions do. But I think it's important to remember he's still developing and he's he's pretty raw right now. And I think he's going to continue to get better. But uh, it seems like the Ohio State commits had a pretty good day. They did. And, and, and I'm going to finish that conversation on Tegra. Uh, you know, a lot of that, what you're saying is 100% right. He committed extremely early. Nobody else is really talking to him. He's not picking up big offers from around the country. But there's also a possibility that can happen uh, where kids in that position get somewhat complacent. Um, and I think that last summer, um, the, the months after the, the pandemic began, the dead period began, I think maybe Tegra did a little bit. Uh, and it seems like he has adjusted that. And like I said, he looked, even though he was still at 340 pounds, I think he was like closer to 360 last summer when we saw him. He looked a whole lot better, moving very well just looked a lot more explosive. And I think that you can finally see, I still think he's a guard uh, at the next level, which underscores the Ohio State need for tackles in this class, which is why they're looking, uh, you know, still at people like Ryan Bear and looking at players like Grayson Morgan down in Tennessee. They're looking for those um, those guys that can be true tackles, um, you know, while still recruiting the Addison Nichols, the Ernest Greens, the uh, Tyler Bookers, et cetera. Um, but it definitely you look at a kid in a class of, of players right now at Ohio State that's committed that have really worked hard in this last year. And I think that that's, you know, not always the case. There's kids who get, uh, you know, caught up in the accolades and, oh, I'm an Ohio State commitment. You're in the middle of a dead period that won't end. You're in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you can sit around on your butt and get fat and lazy um, and not do anything. The kids committed to Ohio State have not had that happen. Um, so, you know, I think that that's important. If, if we move to the class of 2023, which I think was the real focus for me um, heading into Sunday's camp, since Emil Wagner did not make it, and he was someone I was really looking forward to seeing, um, it, it was how Ohio State targets in that class look, because those kids um, are also in the middle of the pandemic in the dead period, and how did they um, spend their time? Uh, Caden Proctor, the number two ranked offensive tackle out of Iowa, he looked great. 
Um, there's a kid, Samson Okanlola from Massachusetts, who is a, a top 100 player. And I wrote about him on Tuesday morning as a player that I think Ohio State should offer coming out of this camp. But there's this mindset that he and his brother, Samuel, who's a 2022 defensive end, uh, three-star prospect, are a package deal. Uh, and so Ohio State maybe isn't going to offer Samson because they aren't going to offer Samuel and they don't think it's worthwhile. And that makes me wonder, Spencer, if you're Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, et cetera, don't you just offer anyway and say, like, maybe a place like that has the the cachet, the je ne sais quoi, to, to, to say, hey, we can – we're if you get an opportunity from us, it's more important than this package deal with your brother. Yeah, because I think so, because Ohio State has the gravitas, which is the word I thought you were going to use, uh, like to, to lure a player away from a package deal. You know, you, you look at, at uh, supposed package deals in the past, they rarely ever work out. Now, when you're talking about brothers, it's a little different. But but there is the the idea that, that Ohio State is a strong enough pool to where if, if a kid is just, I'll just put it bluntly, if a kid is better than his brother and can yeah. play at Ohio State, and, you know, passes up the opportunity to play at Ohio State to play at a place that's going to take a three-star commitment, a, a Boston college, I mean, even a Michigan, then, you know, more, more power to them almost. Michigan uh, loves recruiting Massachusetts, and they, they've yeah. offered Okanola. Um, but, I, you know, Ohio State, the, the real the real holdup at this point, and because this kid was a – I mean, he walked into the camp, and he was the guy that everyone was like, oh, who the heck is that? Uh, he, he, and he performed the same way. It wasn't just a look like Tarzan play like Jane type of situation. He was, uh, a very, very aggressive physical offensive lineman. Um, Ohio state, in my opinion, should definitely offer him. I thought he was the best 2023 prospect that I saw. Um, and then Caden Proctor was right with him. Um, but it, it's just interesting to me because I mean, I, I know Ohio state's approach on these package deal things is that they are not involved in them. But they must truly believe that this kid is is 100% a package deal or they would offer him based on his own merit because he was really good and uh, only getting better. Um, Spencer, are there any players that you wanted me to, like, you know, deal with uh, or to uh, uh, talk about? No, I'm a little, you know, bummed that I wasn't able to be there because it's right in our backyard and, and uh, all that. I was traveling back, so I wasn't able to make the trip. Um, but no, I think you covered it all. We got a lot of information on the site about about the camp and, and who impressed and who, you know, was maybe a, a little less than what you expected to see. Um, I, I think you did a really nice job covering the camp. And if people haven't read this stuff yet, then then I really encourage it uh, because uh, nobody had an eye on the on the camp like you did. So, well, there's two other guys I think we should talk about because I think they're they're two five stars in the class of 2023 in Ohio, and so I want to at least touch on them because I think it's important when you're doing like the breakdown here of the camp and one little snippet is not enough to really underscore what I think my thoughts were. Um, first of all, Sonny Styles is what I, I said on our show two weeks ago, I thought he was the best player in Ohio, uh, regardless of class. And after seeing him live and seeing the way he moves, seeing the size, seeing the way he runs like a cornerback, but looks like a linebacker, this kid is a, if he, Keeps his head on straight, and by all accounts, uh, he's not the type of kid who is not going to. There's, I mean, we're talking Jack Sawyer, Zach Harrison, Paris Johnson type. Like, you have to get this kid. Like, you have to. Um, aside from the fact that his dad is an Ohio State legacy, 
yes, the, the Notre Dame thing is a real possibility and a real concern as his brother is there. And Marcus Freeman has done a great job recruiting him um, early. But Ohio State has to get Sonny Styles. Like this kid is um, – it, it, it's he's really, really good. And I think one of the good news bits for Ohio State here is that by the time Sonny Styles would sign a letter of intent anywhere – there's almost no chance that Marcus Freeman will be at Notre Dame. And so you can at least sort of look at that down the road and say, hey, this is it's a real possibility that he ends up there. But there's going to be major hurdles for Notre Dame to clear by the time that he, he would sign. Because, A, his brother could be gone and B, Marcus Freeman is likely to be gone. And so the, some of those things are, are going to change. Ohio were, State. Go ahead. Oh. I didn't mean to cut you off. There were there were also a couple of different circumstances with his brother's recruitment that that were just a little different and and odd um, for most recruitment. So I don't think that this is a my brother went there. I need to go there type yeah. of deal. I think this is kind of it's not a package deal for sure. I think that that Ohio State understands that, and I think Ohio State is beginning to, you know, they probably understood it the, all along. But I think Ohio State truly is beginning to understand how important it is to land a prospect, the magnitude of Sunny Styles. Yeah. And, and Lorenzo Jr., uh, as you mentioned, I mean, he was number one, a wide receiver in the class of 2020. That in itself, in a, in a class that had Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba G. Scott and Mookie Cooper um, was a was a challenge for Ohio State to overcome because they already had four receivers and they weren't sure exactly if they believe uh, Lorenzo is a wide receiver. They were recruiting him as a defensive back. He wants to play wide receiver. So you sort of get walked out of the recruitment there um but you definitely don't let sunny styles get away and the buckeyes have made sure uh from last august when he played his first game as a sophomore at pickerington um central high school it was on espn ohio state called him and offered him like immediately after the game was over like maybe before he got off the field that day so uh, they they've been very clear with him with his family um about exactly where they see him on the priority list and uh, getting him early would be a Jack Sawyer-esque type win for the Buckeyes. He's definitely going to visit in June, probably a couple times if he can, um, to, to start really ramping up that relationship towards September when the Buckeyes can talk to him more freely. Um, the other player that I want to talk about is Brennan Vernon, because I think that this is one that you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, as, as rankings come back out and get adjusted, you might see Brennan's ranking drop a little bit, but I think that is probably fair, but also not really relevant. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, if you explain it a little more, I think it'll make sense. Like, uh, Brennan Vernon can be a Jack Sawyer type player, um, but right now he is not a Jack Sawyer type player. Like, he can be a, let me, let me, let, if you have a brain out there that can rewind time, do this thing like the eye of Orogato on Dr. Strange, and let's just, you know, turn it back. He is he has the ability to be a Jack Sawyer type prospect, but he's not yet a Jack Sawyer type player. Does that make more sense? So he's more raw in he has like he, he he's yeah, he's he's got no real idea yet what he's doing on the football field. And this is not a problem with Brennan Vernon. This is a problem with the NCAA dead period for the last year and a half. Jack Sawyer had three plus years of going to camp with Larry Johnson to learn how to play defensive end. Brennan Vernon had a, uh, a shoulder injury that he had to have surgically repaired after his freshman year. He broke his foot uh, in the middle of his uh, sophomore year. And so he's met, he has not been able to play a lot of football. 
But if you look at the kid at six foot five, 242 pounds, really long, um, he, he hasn't really started to develop his body yet the way that he's going to. You're going to be talking about if, if he dials in and, and dives into this over the next two years, by the time he's a high school senior, you could be looking at a six foot five, 275 pound defensive end who, who can move. And boy, oh boy, Brennan Vernon has an attitude that people are going to love on a football field. He is a angry, angry football player. And I, I just, I hope that people don't see a, a rankings drop if it does happen and think that it's a sign that he's a, you know, not the type of player or p- prospect that he's been expected to be because he is going to be that guy, but he needs to be taught and, and needs to play some more football. And um, the, the sky is the absolute limit for him. Is it is it more of like a raw Bosa situation? He's he's you know he, when you when you describe the six four two seventy five can move really well, super angry. You, you kind of do start to get a glimpse of of what the, he could be, and that that kind of reminds you of what he could be. But at the same time, you know he he's just so raw that you can't make that comp yet, like you could with Jack Sawyer, like you could with with even like a Zach Harrison trying to comp them. It, it's kind of hard, I think, yeah. to make a comp with Brandon Vernon because he's just so raw. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair, and I, I think he's much more. So we've talked in the past about Caden Curry, the 2022 defensive tackle, defensive lineman from Indiana, as um, sort of the Nick Bosa type player. Um, and uh, Brennan is, is more Joey in my mind, like that sort of um, that sort of prospect. He he actually, I mean, if he just walks, like if you watch Brennan Vernon walk by. If he had blonde hair, you would not know it wasn't Joey Bosa, like at 15 years old. It's just the gait, it looks the same. It's just so, it's it's pretty fascinating, actually. And like I said, for a kid like that in his build, with his mindset, if he gets coached up the right way, um, he's going to be really, really special. And I, I think um, it, it's one of these situations where you just have to be patient and let a kid develop. Uh, on his own timeline. That's something Ryan Day talked about a lot on Monday afternoon in his press conference. He was talking about it from an Ohio State perspective, that everyone has their own timeline, their own path. Um, but in recruiting, we are sort of guilty, I think, of just assuming that because someone is six foot five, 240 pounds as a, as a freshman, that they're going to be developing on the same timeline that other guys did. And that's just not the case. And uh, especially when you throw in injuries, especially when you throw in coaching changes, men are lost uh, one of you know, legendary coach and coach Triv in the last year plus. And so they've got a new coach, a new, new program kind of starting up there. Um, be patient with Brendan Vernon because it's definitely going to be worth it, um, it whenever he ends up um, at, in college. And I still expect that will be Ohio State. There was some conversation about him trying to get to the spring game and visiting for the weekend, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and it shouldn't. No, I mean, I know a lot of kids want to visit this weekend for the spring game, Spencer, but what's the point? There is What's one. the point. There's there's no, there, there isn't one. one. And there isn't one. And so if you're a recruit watching this and and or a recruit's parent watching or listening to this, my advice is don't waste your time. You're not going to be able to talk to the coaches while you're there. If you want to see the campus and, and be inside the Ohio Stadium, cool. But if you're looking to get anything out of it from a recruiting perspective, it's probably not um, the right time to do that. The Buckeyes have been patient and waiting for the end of the dead period, which we think now will be almost certainly May 31st, come June 1, these kids are going to have tons of opportunities to get back on campuses. 
Um, and Vernon Vernon will be someone that Ohio State wants to see immediately and, and get to work with him immediately. And so I'm, I'm sure Larry Johnson and the Buckeyes are excited for that opportunity. And they should be because he is going to be a superstar at the next level whenever he learns how to play football. Same thing with Zach Harrison. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, Kurt here. I see, I used to say the same thing about Zach Harrison. He really didn't know how to play football in high school. And now we're starting to see the the fruition um, be fulfilled because it, he, he is turning into the player that he was as a prospect. Am I good? Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense now that you've explained it. I, I appreciate okay. you explaining it. I just don't want people to like badmouth a kid or think that he's like falling down the rankings because he's not good because that's just not the case. It's just everyone is at a different spot in their development. And when you've only played six games of high school football or eight games of high school football, that the projections are based on very, very limited, um, you know, visual. And uh, I think the best thing for Brendan Vernon is to be to do what he did on Sunday, go out and compete, make sure that he shows up. He's not a kid who wants to be at these type of events, but like at this juncture, you need all the experience in football you can get. And it, it's a, it's a very valuable barometer to see where you are against players like Caden Proctor against players like Samson Okanolo to see, okay, am I here? What do I have to do? Um, and at this juncture, any sort of coaching up, any sort of training that you can get, you should be taking. And uh, so I think that it's actually probably a really good thing for Brennan Vernon to have some of those expectations lowered a touch so that he can just be focused on what he needs to be focused on, which is how do I become a better football player from here? Because the, as I said, the sky is the limit for him. And he, the five-star potential is absolutely there. Is he a five-star player right now? We don't know. I mean, we just don't know. So uh, I know who is a five-star player, Spencer Holbrook. Five-star, wow. five-tool guy. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State recruiting podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Auto. Please rate, review, subscribe, hit the little uh, notification bell, let yourself know when we got new stuff out there. And uh, thanks for watching, everyone. See ya. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.